somebody ought to lift him a little bit higher tonight. Come on, lift your hands a little higher. Lift your voice a little higher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. You know, in the scripture, Psalm chapter 1 gives us a warning. And tells us not to stand in the way of the sinner nor sit in the seat of the scornful. There is a digression of movement that happens. You're walking in, 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 the, in the way of the sinner and, and then standing and then sitting. But there's a scripture in the Bible that says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk. There is a progression of movement that happens for those that wait upon the Lord. That word wait is not like you and I think about wait. When I say wait upon the Lord, some of y'all, y'all still mad because you waited on your wife to try to leave the house tonight. Still trying to get the victory tonight. Some wives had to wait on their husband. But that's not the kind of wait that the scripture is talking about. But it is the word calvow, which literally means to intertwine or to wrap yourself up into something. They uh, that intertwine themselves, uh, could I put it to you like this? Uh, those uh, that involve themselves uh, in the things of God uh, shall uh, renew uh, their uh, strength. Uh, you feel like you're weak? Uh, do you feel like you're tired? Uh, do you feel like you're wore out? Uh, let me tell you how to get your strength uh, renewed. Uh, don't give up. Uh, don't back out. Uh, don't quit. Uh, don't take a sabbatical uh, and throw in the towel. Uh, get yourself involved. Uh, get yourself intertwined. Uh, when you do, he said, uh, there's strength. Uh, gonna walk again then you're gonna run again then you're gonna mount up with wings like any I wish somebody would throw your hands in the air and let hell know I'm gonna fly again I'm gonna soar again I'm gonna run again Woo! anybody got the victory in this house tonight Anybody feel restored in this place tonight? Woo! High five about five people on the way to your seat. Tell them the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Woo! Amen. Welcome to the Rock Church's Fall Family Series tonight. Anybody looking forward to what the Lord's going to do in this house? You can be seated for just a moment. Let me take an opportunity to welcome all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us. We, I see a handful of guests in the building. Rock Church, would you help me? Let me borrow your hands and voice. Would you help me make some noise and welcome our guests that are here in the house of the Lord tonight with us? We are so grateful to have you here in the house of the Lord tonight. Uh, we trust that your steps have been ordered by God 
and that you are not here on accident but by the divine appointment of the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen, somebody. It is so good to have uh, Brother Adrian Sanford with us tonight. He is an evangelist, no stranger to this house. He's visited with us, but he, we're so honored to have him in the house of the Lord. Would you help me give him a resounding welcome back in the house tonight? So good to see him in the house of the Lord. How many of you were blessed by what the Lord did in this place on Sunday? Woo! I'm telling you what, if you were not here Sunday, you absolutely missed it. And uh, Sunday morning, Brother Stewart brought such an anointed, powerful word from heaven to us. He preached about hell's greatest preachers. Amen. What a word from God. And when he finished, Larry was baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost. I think we ought to give God praise for that. Then Lydia was baptized in Jesus' name and she received the Holy Ghost. I think we ought to give God some praise. So many amazing things happening in the house of the Lord. We would be here all night if we started testifying. But one testimony I wanted to share with you, you'll remember uh, just a few weeks ago, we received information that uh, Brother Rome had developed some very serious symptoms, uh, very physical, visible symptoms uh, in his legs that the doctors looked at and said that their initial prognosis uh, was that there was a great chance that it could be a life-threatening situation in this young man's life. And how many of you remember one night that we brought him up to the front, we laid hands on him, we prayed for him. How many of you remember that service? From that night forward, the very next day, all of the symptoms began to reverse. And test after test after test after test came back negative. And now he has virtually no symptoms and the doctors are puzzled. They said he's perfectly fine. We don't know what happened. I think we ought to give God a praise for that tonight. See, what you don't understand is the same God that did it for Rome is the same God that's in the building tonight. And whatever your need is, whatever your situation is, God wants to give you a miracle. God wants to turn your situation. Somebody ought to praise him like it was your baby tonight. Somebody ought to praise him like it was your brother or your sister tonight. Woo! Come on, rejoice with them that rejoice. Hallelujah. My, 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 if you've got expectation in your spirit, I just, I'd be running around singing miracles, signs, and wonders all over my life. Somebody said all over my life. Miracles, signs, wonders. All over my You believe that you ought to give him praise tonight Well, I declare it I declare miracle signs uh, And wonders over my uh, I wish somebody had enough faith on a Tuesday night uh, I wish somebody had enough faith on a Tuesday night uh, I know you're only supposed to do that on Sunday nights uh, 
but there's somebody that walked in this place tonight uh, that needs to declare that uh, miracles, uh, signs, uh, and wonders uh, all over miles. Yes! Yes! Woo! Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. Tell them, neighbor. Tell them you're looking at a miracle. I'm a walking miracle. Woo! The fact that I'm here tonight is a miracle. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what God's done for me. And if he did it before, I got great hope tonight because he's going to do it. You want to tell your neighbor you ain't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen the best of God in my life. You haven't seen my greatest testimony. You haven't heard my greatest miracle. Somebody that believes it's on the way, give him a praise. It's on the way. Woo! I feel it in here tonight. We're liable to mess up and have some church in this place tonight. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for the presence of the Lord that is in this place. And uh, let's continue to be in great prayer. We understand that there is a great shaking in our world at this moment. But I came to tell you something. We are the answer. Am I in the right church tonight? I said we are the answer. Everybody you work with, uh, everybody you live next to is wondering what are we going to do about this? Uh, What should we do about this? Uh, How should we vote? Baby, you ought to get a boldness about you to tell everybody you know, uh, I've got the answer. uh, And it's not in the White House. And it's not, I wish I had a believer in the building. Uh, It's not in a political agenda. Uh, The answer uh, is Jesus, Brother Steve. Uh, The answer uh, is Acts 2.38. You need to be born again. Uh, You need the hope of the Holy Ghost. Brother Leo, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you are the answer. Amen. Remain standing all over this house as we prepare for what the Lord is going to do in this place. Again, we are kicking off tonight our fall family series. Amen. And we are in the midst of an incredible revival in this church. And uh, if the truth is known, revival in inside the body of Christ is always uh, is always generated and, and, and produced and maintained and thrives from the nucleus of the family. Amen, somebody. That's why families come under attack in revival. Test one, test. I said that's why families come under attack uh, in the middle of revivals. Uh, but we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Uh, we see him there. Uh, we jerk the cover right off of him. Uh, and we understand what his tactics are. Woo! He can't stop a revival, so he'll try to stop a family. 
He can't distract a revival, so he'll try to distract families. Amen. But we understand that we serve a God that declared what God hath put together, let no man put asunder. We serve a God that gave us a promise. Uh, come on. Come on. He gave us a promise that no weapon formed against us should be able to prosper. I wish I had uh, some Bible readers in the building tonight. If God be for us, I said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. And so we're excited about tonight and the next two uh, Tuesday nights. We are delving into a, a series on the family. And what a privilege and an honor it is to have brother and sister Pope with us in the house of the Lord. Now they are no strangers to this house. As you know, uh, they, they are at a stage and place in life. And uh, they, they live... Uh, in Mattoon, Illinois, and then sometimes they live right here in Fort Myers. And when they are here, uh, this is where they come, and they're uh, an incredible part of this house. And we love them, we appreciate them. And uh, you may not know this, uh, but brother and sister Pope travel extensively around the globe. They are, they are on the road quite quite frequently, uh, traveling from country to country to country. And God uses them in a powerful way around the globe and across our country, preaching and teaching and ministering to congregations. And uh, God's hand is on them in, an, in a mighty, mighty way. And they've lived enough life. Come on, somebody. I said they've lived enough life that, that, that we, ought to, we ought to take some notes from people that have some experience. Amen, somebody? Brother and Sister Pope, we are so excited you're here. We're so honored you're here. We're ready for whatever God has for us tonight. We brought our Bibles. We brought our notebooks. We brought our pens. We want God to speak to us tonight. Would you put your hands together one more time? Come on, help me make welcome back. Come on, in a great big way, help me welcome back Brother and Sister Pope. some degrees okay but that's really a nice setting we are so glad to be here we're glad to be able to share some things with you yes we have some credentials but I'm telling you we had to live life just like you did we had some ups and downs and we had some good things happen and some very tragic things happen but that's a part of life and we're gonna be talking about marriage, we're gonna be talking about family, we're gonna be talking about choices. And I'm just gonna read a little bit today on picking wisely about choices. Marriage is hard, divorce is hard, choose your hard. Obesity is hard, being fit is hard, Choose your hard. 
Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your hard. Communication is hard. Not communicating is hard. Choose your hard. Life will never be easy. It will always be hard, but we can choose our hard. Pick wisely. God bless you. I'm going to let my husband tell you all kinds of wisdom tonight. I don't know about that. Praise God. It is so good to be in the house tonight. I love what I feel, and I love what I see. Praise God. Those people out there don't know what we have in here on Tuesday night. If they did, they'd be in here. But they're coming. They're coming, slow but sure. Praise God. I want to give honor to Brother Williams, Sister Williams. I want to say thank you. It is a privilege to be standing here before you this evening. Thank you so much. We love this church and we love all of you very, very much. And we always look forward to coming to Fort Myers and specifically to the Rock Church. This is home when we're at home. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We want to talk to you this evening about the biblical leadership roles as is designed for a family. There it is. Maybe you can see that. Uh, what I want you to do with your pencil and paper, I want you to take notes and take note of the scriptures that are given here on this particular slide. It gives us the biblical leadership role and design for the family as God gives it to us in the scripture. And it's important that we know that and understand it. He has appointed Christ the head of the man, the husband, the father. He has appointed the husband the head of the woman, wife, mother. And he has appointed the wife the helpmeet to the husband and the children to be obedient to the parents, both mother and father. That is God's design for the family. Not man's design, but God's design. Today we can plainly see the forceful attack on our families by modern day society. All you have to do is just look around and see what's going on. Destructive forces are coming against the family from all directions. So let us examine some of the aspects of the family as it relates to today. And let me emphasize with the help of the Lord, the family will survive because it is his design and his creation. It will survive. Now, let's start from the beginning of time as God created the family in his own way. 
if we look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it gives us the account of the male. Then God determined that it was not good for man to be alone. So in Genesis 2 and 21, he created the woman as a helpmeet for the man. Now I want to emphasize helpmeet, that's spelled M-E-E-T, and not M-E-A-T. She is the helpmeet for the man. And later in the scripture, it tells us that these two are one. Thus, we have Adam and Eve, and not today's conglomeration of Adam and Steve. Then we know that they produced two sons, Cain and Abel. And all of us have heard that story. We don't have the time this evening to delve into that. That's for another time. But in Genesis 4 and 1, you will find the story of Cain and Abel. And then in Genesis 6 and 1, it says that mankind began to grow and multiply throughout the earth. And that was what God had told Adam and Eve was that they were to procreate and raise children in the family and populate the earth. Now, because of the evil of mankind, God had a change of plan. And we look at Genesis chapter 5 and 29. He tells us of a man by the name of Noah. And all of us have heard the story of Noah and the flood. But it says, and Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him on the 600th year of Noah's life, the second month and the 17th day, God opened the windows of heaven and let it rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Now folks, that had never happened before. People did not understand. They did not know when they heard about rain. But they were soon to know they would see it. And as a result of those 40 days and 40 nights of rain, there was four families that remained to begin replenishment of the earth. Only four families survived. Noah and his three sons and their wives. And given a new day, a new start for eight people, four families, with instructions then to repopulate the earth. Now, as I was pulling this together, I was thinking, what would it be like if the earth had eight people? Wow. We've got a few billion people now, but only eight people left to repopulate the earth. And that's where it began in Noah's day because of the evil of mankind. Now, many things have happened in and to the families of this earth since that time. And today, as we read the scripture, this is what we find. Matthew chapter 24, beginning verse 37, it says, but as the days of Noah were, 
so also the coming of the Son of Man be. That is a very key verse for you and I now, tonight, today. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Because I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt in reading the back of the book, time is short and he is coming very soon. Praise God. For as in the days that were before the flood, here's the key, they were eating and drinking, partying, if you will, marrying and given in marriage, all kinds of attachments and distractions in marriage away from God until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Hear me. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He's coming, folks. He's coming very soon, and it's going to happen in the Scripture just like he said. But yet, backing up just a couple of verses, we look at Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 35, and it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Folks, he's coming, and the scripture tells me that he's coming as a thief in the night, that no man knoweth the day nor the hour in which he comes, but it behooves us to be ready for the coming of the Lord. That's our task today. That's the greatest thing that you and I must do is make sure we're ready when he splits those eastern skies and he comes back for his church. He is coming, and if I understand the signs given to us in his word, he's coming very soon. So here's the question. Will the families of the earth be ready or will they be taken unaware as it was in the days of Noah? And I am sorry, but here to tell you there will be many families that will be taken total unaware as he is coming. One man and one woman with the instruction to be fruitful and multiply. Thus the family grows as designed by God. One man and one woman. God's design. And I'm here to tell you, there's no other way. Now, unity and teamwork between the male and the female was God's design for the family although it doesn't always happen that way in today's society. It all began with one man and one woman. God created the institution of marriage 
which was his plan, undivided as one flesh. And we ask why? And the answer is for support and affirmation, vision and goals, a commonness between man and woman, one flesh, undivided and working together in harmony. This was God's plan. This was God's order. This was his design, his divine order. Now, there came a man by the name of Saul, who later was converted to the name Paul. We know him as the Apostle Paul. He created a great stir in his teaching in Ephesus and Corinth. With his teaching in Ephesus chapter 5, zero in on that, very important Scriptures for the family. Ephesus chapter 5 concerning marriage and the family. It addresses a society going in the opposite direction just as our world is doing today. Specifically breaking down the scriptural roles due to rebellion but largely due to a lack of knowledge of scripture as well. But Paul forever altered our understanding, our perspective, and that is how you see and perceive something. As Paul taught in the fifth chapter of Ephesus, and as we read that scripture, he brings us to an understanding and a perspective And what this provides is leadership in marriage. Leader versus the world's idea called dictator. Leader versus dictator. Responsibility, not rank. Sacrifice, not selfishness. Duty, and not domination. The role of man is to lead, not to dictate, and the destiny of a marriage greatly depends on the role clarity. The role clarity. What is the role of the man? What is the role of the woman? What is the role of the children? And how it is given to us directly from God's word. Our world today is mad with change. Literally mad with change. Cultural norms, cultural norms are in an upheaval. We need dependable, permanent guidelines with which to build solid marriages and families and we can find it laid out by God's design in the scripture. That is exactly what the Bible offers you and I. Dependable, permanent guidelines. It is God's blueprint for marriage and you may decide. Now what I have felt to do here this evening is to lay a foundation 
in regard to marriage and the family. And I hope what I have given us here to this point has done that and that you've grasped the scripture that will help you in the days to come, keying specifically in on Ephesians chapter five, but to understand that this is leadership by God's design in a spiritual way. Now, being a man, I'm going to do something here that is maybe uh, got a little sandpaper in it, but I'm going to speak to the men specifically in regard to who you are and what your job and duty, according to God's design, happens to be and how it relates to the woman, the wife, the mother, and also how it relates to the children. And in doing this and focusing on the man, I want to talk about two powerful swords. Swords, slice them and dice them, within our reach. Men, we have two swords that are within our reach. Now let me give you a picture or a story or symbolism of how valuable each of you men are. As a man, whether you realize it or not, you own two swords, the symbol of two forms of power in your life. And if you can imagine, they hang over your symbolic fireplace. Those swords. One of them is a silver sword, <clears throat> as though it were chiseled from a block of ice, really shiny and crisp. And you acquired that silver sword early in your manhood, and you have continued to use it year by year. You obtained it through sweat and grit, or maybe by long, weary hours of work and labor. And it is the sword you are mainly using in your job. And it remains your constant sense of protection and equalizer in a rough and tumble world that you and I live in today. Now at times, it's familiar in weight and it makes it a cross between a security blanket and a lucky charm. That's what that silver sword represents. Now the second sword that you have is a gold one. Beautiful, shiny gold. This sword has been yours since birth. Part of your inheritance, part of your birthright. And you often leave it where it has been for as long as you can remember, mounted over the fireplace. Sometimes it's just ornamental. Sometimes you may hardly even notice it. Sometimes you dust it a couple times a year. Exquisite, but men have been known to ask, what's it good for? Most of the men you know in a workaday world want to yield the silver sword, and so do most of you. 
For the moment you complete your training in its use, it has been your deepest, most fervent desire to brandish that sword with all of the strength, cunning, and endurance you can pull out of yourself. You read everything you can get your hands on about using it, and you endure endless days of study, disappointment, heartbreaking toil, tense, sleepless nights, and frequent separation from your family. For what purpose? To be regarded one day as a master of the silver sword. What else could a man desire? It's time that we had a wake-up call, folks, men, before more wives provide an instant lesson in sensitivity by walking out our children by rebelling. Hear me. A wake-up call because we have not been sensitive to the family and met their needs and taken care of them. Yes, it's curious. The sword that looks so impressive among the sword handlers in the workplace seems a heavy, awkward thing when you walk through your front door in the evening coming home from work. It catches the screen door. The sheath seems to stick out and tear the wallpaper in the entry, if you have any wallpaper. It has even knocked over the umbrella stand and a vase or two. But for that matter, you found it extremely difficult to use the thing at home. That's the silver sword. You've tried to swing it around according to your training, but it causes your sons to wince and it drives your daughters away from you and away from your arms. Your fateful hound whines and slinks away when you pat the silver handle on your hip. At times, your family has even grown to despise the silver sword. Many times, your wife wishes you would just hang it on a peg outside the door someplace and not even bring it into the house at all. The silver sword. Now you stand by the hearth and contemplate these strange things when suddenly you find yourself gazing at a gold sword hanging over the mantle. How it gathers the warmth of the room, it reflects it back in greater glory. But your own father rarely used it, just like his father before him. Rarely used it. What if there was a tool, you wonder, that could draw your sons and daughters to you rather than press them away? What if it could carry the warmth of hearth fires from room to room and bring happiness to the household? What if that tool also served as a weapon strong enough to drive back darkness, brandish loneliness, overwhelm, harsh words force back the fears of a child overcome bitterness in the house 
slay the insecurities of adolescence and kindle courage and hope whenever it was raised. The gold sword. Men, the gold sword. It has many blessings. It can solve many problems. It can settle all fear in the home. You have a choice to use both swords for either tremendous good or great evil. The two swords are your future. Hear me, man. Your future. The silver sword we speak of is a man's provisional power. That is to say, his clout, his control, his prestige, his authority that comes to a man because of where he works or what he does. It's his job title, his resume. It is the number of degrees he has earned or the way other men respect his mark as a craftsman when the day is done. And men, because of the way we are put together, the way we are designed, the way our personalities develop, we tend to get excited about the silver sword and its use. It is the number, it is the number of degrees he has earned or the way other men respect his mark as a craftsman. But provisional power centers on an image, an image, and doing whatever it takes to whomever to increase and maintain that image of excellence. That's men. That's us men. The gold sword we speak of, on the other hand, represents a man's personal power. The silver sword was provisional power, but the gold sword is personal power. It may or may not be accompanied by the impressive title Gold American Express Card or a PhD after your name. But it is the ability to develop meaningful, fulfilling relationships, a willingness to do whatever it takes to strengthen our families and find the help we need to overcome any strains in our marriage. That's what the personal power of the gold sword will do for you and I. An important aspect of personal power is our inner character. Character is who you are. The gold sword, personal power, strengthens that inner character. That's who we are. So words like warmth, sensitivity, dependability, determination, genuine compassion, affection, and caring all reflect a man's strength and value when he uses the gold sword. It is as if our wives and children each have seven 
emotional, physical gas tanks inside of them. These tanks need regular filling if our loved ones are to be normal and healthy. And men, it is our challenge, our duty, our job, if you will, to fill those gas tanks with the personal infilling that is needed by our wives and our children. This is our gold sword. Everyone in the family helps to fill these seven tanks, but the most vital gas comes from the husband, the father, the man of the house. So the question, men, that we must answer now, which sword will you be using at home from this day forward? Which sword? 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. The scripture offers a divine order of authority and responsibility. And it says the head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. And then in Colossians 3 and 20, it instructs children, obey your parents in everything. Why? Because this, pre this pleases the Lord. And then we can find the scripture just below that that says, Fathers, provoke not your children that they be not discouraged. Hear me. Don't provoke your children. If you do, they're going to become discouraged. And fathers, we cannot do that. God has ordered the family according to a principle of headship. And each member of the family lives under the authority of the head whom God has appointed. Again, responsibility and not rank. What God has given, what God has appointed unto the head, the husband, is that he has responsibility to the family and it's not a matter of rank. Ephesians chapter 5 gives us a spiritual taproot of God's order for the family. This is very, very important. We can see at first glance that the husband and father is set as the authority over the wife and children. And this seems like a fine perch for the man. And if you look at it from a secular, from a world standpoint, that's exactly what they see. It's a fine perch for the man. But one must look a little deeper. For the divine authority vested in the husband and father is modeled upon Jesus Christ. And Christ's authority was rooted in the sacrifice of himself. He went to the cross for you and I. He made the ultimate sacrifice. And only when Calvary was behind him did he come to his disciples and say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. 
Matthew 28, 18, it says the authority of Christ and therefore the authority of a husband and father is not a human, but not fleshly. It is not one person lording over another, but it is divine and spiritual authority which is rooted in the sacrifice of one's self. That is what Jesus Christ displayed before his disciples, before the world, and for you and I to see and visualize today, he sacrificed and he gave the ultimate sacrifice when he gave his life. And he is likening this divine and spiritual authority as the same level that is given to you and I today in this leadership design for the family. It's not responsibility. Oh yes, it is. It's not rank. We are given responsibility to the family, very specific, through the scripture, and we're not sitting on a high perch, men. A husband who must lecture his wife on her duty to be submissive to his authority has already yielded up the ground of his authority. Do I need to read that again? A husband who must lecture his wife on her duty to be submissive to his authority has already yielded up the ground of his authority. His call under God is to fulfill his role in the family, not to harangue the wife concerning hers. Can I hear an amen from the men? All right. Moses is one of the greatest leaders of all time. And God vested him with great authority. Yet he was, according to the Bible, the meekest man on the face of the earth at that time. Numbers chapter 12 and 3. Now when the people of Israel rebelled against him, Moses would flee to the tabernacle and plead with God about that problem. He didn't try to take them on, head on, and lay them out and tell them how it was and that they needed to submit and so forth. But he ran to the tabernacle and he took the problem before God. Then God would deal with the rebels himself. Numbers 12 and 10. Numbers 16 and 33. Those are examples. But when Moses sought to deal with the people in his own strength, venting his anger upon them, God dealt with Moses in utmost severity. If you remember, he was angry and instead of speaking to the rock, he tried to whip it, he beat on it, he whacked it. And that was not God's instruction. So what happened is he was denied the privilege of leading Israel into the promised land. Numbers 20. Two. And we can see the example of authority right here and how it can be used right 
and how it can be misused. The authority which a husband exercises over his wife and children is not his own authority. It is an authority which God vests in him. The husband must exercise that authority both with firmness and wisdom, but it is God who establishes and maintains that authority. Men, we need to remember that. It's not ours, it's God's. And when we have difficulty, when the marriage is strained, we need to take it to God and explain and plead with him as Moses did and then let him take care of the situation. If a husband finds his wife and children rebellious under his authority, his first recourse must be to God and his mood must be one of repentance. Moses, the meekest man, we need meekness in the marriage. Why are you not able, God, why are you not able to establish my authority in this family. I'm sure there's those that would say that. What is it in me that makes me an unfit instrument for your purpose? That's things that the human might ask God. But the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is her husband. And if a woman is unsubmissive to her husband, it may well be that the man is secretly or openly rebellious against God. Only those who live under authority are fit to yield authority. That is a great statement. Only those who live under authority are fit to yield authority. A man with a rebellious household must look first at his own relationship with his authority in Christ. This may well be a humbling experience for us men, yet out of it can come a broken and contrite spirit, repentance, a new gentleness and meekness toward his family, and amazing, a new measure of authority. Authority which he must no longer strive for, but which is yielded gladly, for he has died to self. And therefore God has been able to establish his authority in his family. Men, there is a great lesson there for you and I to learn when it comes to exercising authority in our families. It's a spiritual authority that we're talking about here. Thus, when the Bible says, husbands, love your wives, as it does several times in Ephesians chapter five, it's saying far more than that he should entertain fond and affectionate feelings toward her. But it's saying that he should die for her as Christ died for the church. And out of such death, the Holy Spirit will bring forth his fruit 
in the entire family. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. And then in verse 28, it says, The husband, the head, is to love his wife as being his body, even as Christ loved the church as forming his body. The relation of head and body means that the wife is part of the husband's self. And from the get-go, it teaches us that these two shall be one flesh. To love his wife, therefore, in the sense as being his body, is to love himself. And folks, if we love our wives the way the scripture is instructing us, then that puts us in the place of also caring enough that we love ourselves. Praise God. When we study the relation of Christ to his church, you will discover the perfect marriage relationship. The wife gives up her own name and takes on her husband's name. She merges her life with his. She recognizes him as her head and looks to him as her support, protector, and guide. Men, we've got some responsibility there. Not rank, but responsibility. Support, protector, and guidance. She devotes her whole life to his happiness of him and expects that he will protect her from injury, insult, and want. That's what our wives are looking for. She hangs her happiness on him and expects that he will protect her. And he is bound to do it. Their reputation and interest becomes one. What affects her character or her reputation affects his. This faithful husband loves, cherishes, and honors his wife. He gives of his time, his labor, and his talents to promote the interest of his bride. And the faithful husband is jealous for his wife's good name and feels deeply when her feelings or reputation has been injured. Christ is the perfect picture of the faithful husband. His true church is the perfect pattern of the loving wife, the church. And where can we find more love and care than we can find in the house of God, the house of prayer? It's here, folks. It's right here. And when problem strikes, when difficult times come for the family, However it might be, whatever the situation might be, bring it to the house of the Lord. Bring it to his house in prayer. He will hear your voice. 
Now, because true marriage is essentially spiritual, let me say that again, because true marriage is essentially spiritual as well as personal and physical. If we're not careful, we look at it as personal and physical. But we need to understand that essentially it is also spiritual. Staying in love is primarily a spiritual battle. Hear me. Staying in love is primarily a spiritual battle. It is for this reason that surrender to God is so important for a happy love life. If you surrender to God and you put your life in a position with him as he has designed, then he is going to put the love in your marriage that you're truly looking for when you get married. Statistics indicate that a church attending couple have 15 times as much chance to stay together than those who have no faith. 15 times. In Ephesians, again, chapter 5, verse 33, note that in this passage of Scripture, three times the husband is commanded to love his wife. Three times, men. We're commanded to love our wife. While the, scripture, while the scriptures do put great emphasis on the submission of the wife to the husband, they also put equally strong emphasis on the fact that the husband must love his wife. The apostle Paul made that very clear. So, these are usually patterns to the marital problems that I want to review or to present here as we bring this to a close this evening. These are patterns of marital problems and issues that people experience. And folks, these can help us if we will take them to heart and we will listen and remember to improve your marriage and make it even better if you already have a good marriage, try to avoid these 10 mistakes that I'm going to list for you. After reviewing the list, if you failed in three or more items, then red flags are waving and it's time for you to make a change. Number one, Lack of respect. Having respect between the husband and wife, one to another. Number two, men not listening to your spouse. Ladies not listening to your husband. Number three, lack of physical intimacy. That's part of marriage. Number four, always having to be right. And sometimes if you are a, uh, uh, a 
high intense uh, type personality dictator everything's got to be a certain way so forth you always have to be right so you have to make some adjustments there number five not walking the talk talking things saying things how it's going to be how it ought to be but then turning around and not doing what you say Number six, hurtful teasing. And men, this is something that we have to be very, very careful with because it is so easy for us to tease our wives in the wrong place at the wrong time, being sometimes out in public. We should not do that. Number seven is dishonesty. Plain being dishonest. Why in the whole wide world should anyone be dishonest in the marriage with their spouse? Number eight is being annoying by continuing to have gross personal habits. Men, clean up your habits and clean up your manners and be a gentleman. Use your napkin and wipe your mouth. Number nine, being selfish or greedy. Want it? Yes. I was going to pat myself here and say, got to be careful. Don't want it all for myself. Being greedy. And then finally, having temper tantrums. Some of us have difficulty in that area and letting anger and temper get the best of us and then having temper tantrum in the family. Now, very quickly, it's like I burned up the most part of an hour. What causes the spirit of a wife to react to the spirit of her husband? And I'm going to read these very quickly. Awareness that she is not first place in his life. Lack of spiritual leadership on the part of the husband. Folks, men, you're the spiritual leader. God has designed it that way and he has appointed you. Number three, inadequate preparation for changes and lack of responsibility in financial matters. In the teaching in financial seminars that I have had the privilege of doing over time, I can always find that when I ask the ladies for one word that they're looking for financially in the marriage, guess what that is? Security. One word. Every time you'll get the answer. Unfavorable comparisons with other women. Lack of inner discipline. Failure to recognize and expect appreciation and express appreciation for special little attempts to please you. Wives make those attempts to be pleasing. Show some appreciation. Express it. Number seven, attempts to correct her in public. That doesn't work, folks. Either way, 
Number eight, rejection of her opinions as unimportant. Not so. Not so at all. Her opinions are also very important. Number nine, inconsistent in discipline. Discipline the children very differently in different ways at different times. And then finally, unwillingness to ask forgiveness. Men, when was the last time that you looked your wife in the eye and said, I'm sorry? Can you do that? Can you say I'm sorry? That is so important. It is so meaningful. We need to do that. Would you stand with me, please, at this time? I certainly hope that what we have shared with you here this evening can be very, very significant and very helpful to you in your marriage between spouse and with your children in the days to come. Because I feel very, very deeply in my heart and I carry it with me. God's coming. He's coming quick. It won't be very long. And we've got one key thing that we must do before he comes back. And that's get ready. Be ready for his return. And part of this getting ready is have the family and the marriage in harmony and in order with God's design. And he has given us his word. We need to get our nose in the book. Lots of places, but specifically Ephesians 5 can be very, very helpful in getting things right in our marriage. I think, Pastor, if you will, if you'd come, I, I think it would be a great time for men, women, children, all of us to consecrate, to re-consecrate our marriage and its design and the things that are happening in our marriage right now today so we can say, I'm ready. Pastor, I'm ready. All over this house, I wonder if you could grab your wife, your family, make your way down to the front of this house for a few moments. We're going to pray in just a moment. But we're going to respond to the word of the Lord in this place. Maybe you're here, you're not married yet, you don't have children yet. You can respond because the, the, the word that was given today is truth. And one day you're going to need, you're going to need these principles in your life. Amen. Amen. Husband, grab your wife, your children. Amen. We're going to pray in just a moment. But I want to, I want to say how glad I am that Brother Pope and Sister Pope decided to begin this series by really emphasizing and focusing on the responsibility of the man 
in the relationship. Because truly, rarely is there a family scenario where the man of the house is sold out and living for God the way he is supposed to that the family is not following in order. It's rare. And in, in a majority, and I, and I realize there are exceptions. I realize there are exceptions, but in a majority of situations, when there are fam, grievous family fi, divisions and dysfunctions happening, it, it starts at the top of the household. And so there is a great challenge for the men of this house to be what God has called us to be. Amen. You know, it puzzles me because when we receive the Holy Ghost, there should be a revelation and an understanding that our responsibility as a man goes so much further and deeper than getting up and hustling at a job every day. Now don't take that and run as an excuse not to hustle and work to provide for your family. Somebody will run and say, well, Bishop said that wasn't the most important thing. So I'm... But it, it boggles my mind that men full of the Holy Ghost will get up and they have an understanding. They will work hard to put food on the table and they will uh, do everything they can to, to have provide things for their wives and their children and their families and yet lack the revelation that if you are not sold out and living for God, none of that matters. What does it matter if your family can wear the nicest clothes but you're not leading them to heaven? What does it matter if you can put them in a beautiful home in a great neighborhood and yet they live in hell every day because they don't know what the peace of God looks like in their house? What good does it do for your babies to watch you get up every day and be faithful to your job and then skip out on being faithful to the house of God? Oh, it got quiet right there. You're teaching the wrong lesson. And so it is incumbent upon us as men that we lead our families. Listen, if you'll lead your family spiritually, the rest will happen automatically. Because part of that spirituality, brother and sister Pope, is providing for your family. It's all of the, the natural things. If you'll get in the Holy Ghost and you'll learn how to be faithful to God first and you'll learn how to serve God with everything in your heart and live according to the Word of God, all of the rest of being a father and being a husband will begin to work itself out through the Word of God and the Spirit of God that's in your life. And so the main thing tonight men is are we willing he, he, he talked about the, the spiritual order of authority men are we willing to be submitted to God Siri just asked me if I would say that again wherever she's at 
I don't have my phone in my pocket, but I heard her ask. The question, men, is will we submit to God? Will we be what God has called us to be? I wonder if all over this house, wives, if your husband's next to you, children, if your if your daddy's close by to you, or your parent, would you just wrap your arms around them for a moment and help me pray? Fathers, let's, let's lift our hands all over this house right now. If you're a husband in this house, if you're a father, I want you to begin to lift up your hand in this building tonight. Come on, I know it's Tuesday night, it's, it's family fall series, and, and this was a, a, a teaching lesson, but I believe that there is power in this house right now if we will commit to the truth of God's word and the promises of his word. Come on, would you help me pray right now for the men of this house? Would you help me pray for the fathers of this house? Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, wives, wives, you ought to find your husband right now wherever he is. Let him feel your hand, grab his hand tonight uh, and know that I'm praying for you, that I'm, I'm believing God with you. Uh, come on, in the name of Jesus. Right now, oh God, would you lay your hand on every man in this house? God, would you lay your hand on every husband, every father in this place tonight, every young man that in his future, in his destiny, uh, one day will be a father, will be a husband. Uh, God, right now, help us to surrender. Help us to submit ourselves. Help us to submit ourselves to your word, to your authority that's in our life, oh God. Come on, come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, husband, if you're here tonight and you haven't been living for God the way you need to, this is a great time to repent tonight. Come on, this is a great time to let your family know I haven't been doing it the way I'm supposed to, but tonight things are going to change. Come on, husband, if you if you haven't been the example to your children, you need to be. Right now is a great time uh, to make a fresh commitment and say, all right, God, uh, I'm going to lead my family in your way. Uh, I'm going to lead my, I'm going to be an example of truth. Uh, I'm going to be an example of faithfulness. Uh, I'm going to be an example. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, yes, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Come on, can you help me pray for a few moments? Yes, I need you to survive. to change your prayer to something specific for the next few moments if you understand that your husband that the man of the house that your father is is by God appointed to be the first line of defense the head of the house the Bible says this how can a man take a house lest he first spoil or bind the strong man of the house the first target of a home is the father of that house. 
The first target of a family is the husband. It's the because the enemy knows if I can get the husband, if I can get the father, then my chances of getting the rest of the family go up dramatically. If I can get daddy to get discouraged and quit going to church, if I can get daddy to stop praying, if I can get daddy distracted and I can get him just just launched into to a carnal mindset, then the rest of the family becomes vulnerable if you understand that tonight uh, that you understand oh my god i feel the holy ghost tonight there's a story an old story of a man who was with a, a young boy on an island stranded he was an older man and while they were stranded on the island a, a horrific storm came the man knew that their lives were in danger. And so he strapped and tied that boy to a tree. And then he tied himself around that child to that tree so that the child was between him and the tree and his arms and his body was covering that child and he tied himself there and the winds came and the waters beat and debris was flying and when the storm finished... That little boy passed out in the middle of the storm and when the storm finished, he woke up and realized that the man was tied around him and the man had passed away giving his life to protect that child. See, what we don't understand is that so many times there's a silent battle that happens and a man weathers a storm that the family doesn't even realize he's weathering because he's protecting them from the winds and so they don't feel the full brunt of it the way that he feels it and so many times people don't miss him until he's gone because they didn't realize what he provided for the house they didn't realize the protection. Man, I, I'm, I'm talking right now to some, some children and some women in this house that don't even realize sometimes your husband walks in the house with a smile on his face uh, and you don't even realize the hell he's been trying to protect the family from all day. Why, why, does, he, why does he smile? Because his job uh, is to do his best to protect you from the effects of the wind and the storm. His job is to try to keep you from feeling what it is uh, and, and I wonder if tonight for just another few moments uh, we could just pray for the men of this house uh, and pray that God would strengthen them uh, from the, the unseen battles uh, that happen the unseen winds and rains uh, that sometimes come upon them come on would you help me pray for a few more moments in the house come on husbands would you, wives, would you pray with your husbands, children? Would you pray with your father right now? And I want you to pray right now, uh, God, that you would strengthen that man. Uh, God, that you would anoint that man. God, as he protects our home, uh, as he tries to establish uh, godly authority, and he, as he takes a stand for righteousness, uh, God, there's times that hell is attacking him, uh, and I don't even know uh, what's going on because he's doing such a good job of shielding me from it. Uh, he's doing 
such a good job of protecting us. Uh, but God, I pray right now for his strength uh, in the middle of the onslaught of hell, uh, in the middle of the pressure, uh, in the middle of the stress uh, of life. God, would you be his protection? Uh, would you gird him up, God? Uh, oh, would you make his, uh, his feet like hinds feet? Uh, would you give him strength in his back and in his arms? Uh, give him spiritual resolve, God, uh, to stand and be what you've called him to be. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. Yes. Come on. some praise all over this house tonight hallelujah 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 glory to your name Jesus amen I asked brother Williams if I could add something because there's a scripture in the Bible that I want to share with you I know in this congregation there has to be some unsaved husbands and in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, it says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, and they're not obeying the word, they may also without the word be won. They may not come to church, but they can be won by the conversations of their wives. The words they speak, and that word conversation means conduct so your conduct can save your husband lead him to God by the way you act by the way you speak let's thank God for his word tonight come on let's thank God for his word tonight hallelujah 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 Jesus Amen. Thank you, brother and sister Pope, for giving us such incredible insight and wisdom tonight. How many of you are blessed by what they brought to the house of the Lord tonight? I know tonight was a bit of an introduction and a foundation 
uh, for what they feel led to, to do in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I admonish you uh, uh, to take heed, bring your pen, bring, bring your paper, bring your notebook. The Bible says that my people are destroyed, not for lack of inspiration, not because they didn't shout good enough on a Tuesday night, not because they didn't run the aisles enough on a Tuesday night, not because somebody didn't tell a story that made them excited. It said they are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I thank God that sometimes he just has us to sit down and just to take in the word of the Lord. Amen, somebody. Amen. Let's remember all of the announcements tonight, all of the great things happening this week. Again, so good to have Brother